from the Child and Family Policy Center. This is A Deeper Dive. A Child Policy Podcast. I'm Ann Disher with Common Good Iowa. That's the new merged organization made up of the Child and Family Policy Center and the Iowa Policy Project. Today on the podcast, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Iowa ACES 360, that's the network of individuals and organizations responding to ACES in our state, last month released a new report called Healing Iowa, How Iowans Are Reshaping Systems and Communities for Children to Thrive in response to adverse childhood experiences. I'm joined today by Lisa Kashat, the Iowa ACES 360 Coalition Director and report writer and editor Sarah Welsh to talk through the findings. Sarah and Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, before we get into the findings of the report, and that's mostly what I want to talk about, but I'm, I'm hoping you could just tell our listeners who are unfamiliar what ACEs are and a little bit of the history of this line of study. When we talk about the history of adverse childhood experiences, the term was originally coined back in the 90s by two, um, two re- researchers, Dr. Rob Anda, who was with the CDC, and Dr. Vince Felitti, who was with uh, Kaiser Permanente. The term ACEs refers to incidents uh, that occur in childhood that dramatically upset a child's ability to uh, thrive. Uh, The term specifically was related to 10 what we call the conventional or original ACEs, uh, which included abuse neglect and and stressors inside the household Um, uh, over time that has certainly evolved. But the original study set out to look at those 10 incidents and their relationship with long-term health and well-being factors. Then let's talk a little bit about Iowa, which is, I think, this report certainly outlines what we know about Iowa adults and their experiences with ACEs when they were young. What do we know about Iowa and about Iowans? So over the past decade, the movement in Iowa and our response movement has very much advanced. Um, And our ability to partner on our data collection and have more accurate data on childhood adversity has advanced also. So the data in Iowa is done through a statewide survey that's done uh, similarly in most states. That includes a lot of data points, but also asking about these incidents. Did these happen? Asking adults, did any of these incidents happen in your childhood? And um, then what they do is they look at the lifelong health of those individuals. Um, So in Iowa, we know, and what our our most recent study has shown, is that um, about 63.7% of Iowa adults will report that they experienced at least one type of ACEs or neglect in their childhood. And when we look at this data point, when we've done reports in the past, that percentage has been a little bit less. This is the first year that we have been able to include neglect in our, our collection in Iowa. So as we would anticipate, that number increases. One of the percentages we really look at is how many adults report that they experienced four or more ACEs. 
Now, when we look at the data in our state, it is about incidents. It doesn't tell us prevalence or severity of trauma. But when we look at those four or more ACEs, we know that someone had some complex or some layering of trauma in their childhood. And so in our state, adults, Iowa adults, will uh, about 16.7% will report they experienced that, that significant amount of trauma. And the incidence is really important, but what we also want to look at is how it impacts that long-term health and well-being. And similar to any other ACEs study done uh, around the country, we find what we call a stair-step or dose-response relationship. That means as someone reports higher numbers of ACEs, they also have an increased risk for a lot of health and well-being issues um, that we're really concerned about for our country today. So it's a huge impact on the lives and the well-beings of kids and families. You know, and I know, I know this, and maybe you've touched on this a little bit, but I know this is an update of a 2016 report. And I know, obviously, the data is a little bit different, so it's probably hard to make head-to-head correlations. But just thinking kind of broadly, what's What's changed since then, or really just even since since Iowa started doing work around ACEs, which has been, what, probably a decade, mm-hmm. in terms of sort of thinking around how our helping systems should be working with families and kids? You know, when we look back uh, over the course of the decade, sometimes I get uh, folks want to know, well, is the data going down? And this is a generational change. And I think that's one of the biggest impacts we have to think about when how we serve kids and families and and not only our programs, but our systems and our communities, how we support families. What we really have to think about is what are we doing that impacts that generational change? Kids don't exist in a vacuum. Parents don't exist in a vacuum. And so many times we set up programs or policies that just try to intervene with one group or another. And what we really have to do is look at what are we what are we doing to impact that whole family and multiple generations. And so if we have a parent who's struggling that maybe didn't have a great childhood and that went through a lot of trauma in childhood, what are we doing to not only support that parent, but also supporting the kiddo as well, and them as a family as a whole. So it's really taking a look beyond the numbers and saying, how do we do responses that that create a shift? That's one thing about the report is that the report is a lot more than just data. Obviously, there are there's stories in there uh, from Iowans, and there's um, stories about how organizations are sort of thinking about the work they do. You know, can you maybe share some of the themes that you you gathered in the in those stories? And Sarah, who's on with us today, she did a great job of interviewing um, a number of folks who are really going beyond talking about solely the trauma, but how the trauma has is shaping or or is connecting to that systems change. One of the things we've really tried to emphasize in this report. And that is definitely a theme through all of our stories and, and our snapshots about work is what all contributes to ACEs. So we can't look at solely what happens in the household. We need to look at the conditions 
on which families are resting. And, and in recent years, the ACEs pyramid has actually expanded because we knew we were missing a significant amount of trauma that kids and families were experiencing by only focusing on what happens in the household. So one of the themes that you'll see throughout some of the stories is it's not just about those data points, as you said, or that trauma that, that may or may not be happening in the household, but it's also looking at what is going on in the community. What are those historical trauma or, or uh, systemic discrimination or poverty um, that are shaky foundations that families are trying to build upon? Um, what are some of the environmental things? And I think you'll, you'll see this in the report and I, you'll hear this from a lot of partners as well. We're dealing with a year where not only do we have a pandemic, not only did have we had real reckoning, real intense focus on racism and systemic discrimination, and not only have we had challenges with um, climate change and the impacts of the derecho and the impacts of flooding and droughts throughout the state, and so you'll see this theme, which we really tried to cultivate based off of the current research, that families are, there's so many things in the foundation that we need to shift for families to really help some of those internal household issues be successful. We have to have strong communities and strong systems. When we have these disasters or these things like pandemics occurred, we have to make sure that we're supporting families um, as much as we can through these processes. So we, we've really tried to talk about those responses and those interventions that are getting at some of those community and environmental issues. I think one of the things about this report that really you know, shifted our thinking a little bit as we dove into it was some of the emerging research as well that um, with enough positive experiences in childhood, it doesn't um, matter as much whether you've had adversity or not. It's these positive experiences we can build and support children with that allow for better outcomes, um, even if there's adversity. So I think we also wanted to really emphasize that there's things we can do. We can uh, build nurturing relationships with our children. We can have them um, build connections in the community. We can create these safe and nurturing environments. And all of these factors play a really significant role. And so I think ACEs is becoming increasingly what we know is at stake if we don't respond. But there's so much research now that's showing there's so there's things we can do at the front end and throughout a child's life to really give them that um, safe and nurturing environment they need to be healthy. Well, there is no doubt that this year (laughs) brings a very, a very special kind of lens (laughs) um, to the conversations about adversity. Um, I will say personally, like I, you know, I think the, the ACEs, the ACEs, I, I, I mean, I've been in enough conversations where I know that talking about the very real ways in which adversity, 
you know, changes the architecture of the brain, right? And 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 can can it kind of be a light bulb for people when you're trying to talk about why you might invest in kids and 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 families. So like I I, I have seen the power of it. I also have seen how in less careful hands it can also be kind of a parent blaming kind of conversation if not treated gently and so I just very much appreciate that broader look on sort of those community factors and environment because I think that really helps helps explain you know what I mean it it adds another level of explanation we really wanted to emphasize that it's not just looking at a child's stress and that impact on their brain, but also the impact of stress on the parent and the heavy load that they may carry that over time can really impact their ability to be um, the caregivers that children need. And so recognizing that it's our society and these systems that can pile on this weight on families and really make it difficult to provide what families know they need uh, for their child to be healthy and successful. Yeah, I, I think you're you're really hitting on something I know we're so careful about is that parent blaming is, is that, yes, are there very real ways all parents and uh, myself included can be a much better parent and, and, and improve. But I think that if we default to that it's all the parents' fault. We're missing where we as a society need to all be working together more for kids. And and like Sarah said, that there's so much around the foundation we can do to help families be successful, that that's really what is in all of our power to shape right now and to make sure that families have the resources that they need to be successful. And and I find that really um, I find that really empowering. And and allows us to have a more hopeful conversation because these are real tangible things that we can do to support support kids and families. Well, you know, the area where the, you know, the for, formerly the Child and Family Policy Center and now Common Good Iowa, you know, the area where we, I think, have had the most involvement around the ACEs work, of course, has been on the policy side because that's the way our little policy brains work. Um, and I would just, I would love to sort of, um, have you walk through a little bit about, you know, especially in the context of this report. So what are some of the policy implications as you see it? And where are areas where Iowa really has work to be done? Yeah, I, I think there's a few things. And we have a few areas we work pretty consistently with um, year to year, um, but that our specific asks might change. So there's a few key ones that I know you guys are really interested in also. One is around children's mental health. And we've done a lot of great work in Iowa over the last few years in creating um, maybe what a system should look like and, and what some of the core pieces should be. What we haven't done is figured out not only how are we going to fund it, but how are we going to knit together the resources in all the different places kids are at to make sure that that they're getting resources. So so that's some very real work to address that patchwork that has to still be done. Um, another area is around our financial supports for families. Uh, I know we've worked with you all more specifically on some Medicaid-related work, um, but any financial support to families, we need to allow our parents, our caregivers to do 
their number one job, and that's be the best parents they can be. And by making sure that our, our programs and our financial supports are working for them uh, so that they can support their kids through, um, uh, through difficult times or through challenges they may be having on their own um, and not have to worry about whether their benefits are going to get cut next week because they got a small raise or because there's new eligibility requirements. That doesn't help family stress. And if anything, that actually creates more conditions that are, are concerning for us. We have such great programs in this state around home visitation um, and early childhood support services. But what we know is that moms and expecting families are stressed before kiddo comes along. And if we already know that, we can start to broaden some of our services to help the expecting family have a strong foundation before kiddo comes along, rather than wait until you have the stress of a newborn or the stress of new children, um, and it's impacting your health and their health and your stress and their stress. And then finally, the other... Um, area, kind of specific area I would mention is child welfare. We have to give our child welfare system the support and the tools they need so that they can do that great prevention work as well as intervention work for families. And then just broadly, I would say if you look at our, our reports um, and, and where we want to go in all of those areas is a really key focus around equity. Um, we know in the best of times, we have great disparities for communities of color, for women, for those who are low income, and we need to do much better and have policies that are taking into account equity every step of the way. And uh, when you combine with a pandemic that um, may affect all of us, but is not affecting all of us equally, and we have families that are um, having much greater health impacts from this, we need to make sure any responses, any policy responses we are passing are taking a very real focus on making sure that the communities and the families who are most impacted are getting support to recover. You know, so what are your hopes, you know, hopes for this report, which, you know, obviously we've been talking about ACEs for a while now in Iowa and a while nationally, you know, how do you hope to sort of further, further our community conversations around all of these topics, all this, the, you know, the list of policies you just talked about with this report? Yeah, so I think that um, I look at this report as, as you noted, and as, as Sarah so wonderfully put, the data is one piece of this overall report. And really what I look for it too is to help provide some focus and some guidance on the response. Any data we report is, could be concerning, but what is most important in this conversation is what we are doing in response and, and how we are moving our communities to um, be stronger. And so when I look at what I want out of this report in the long run, and I think collectively with the different groups we look at, is how do we drive that, that research-informed 
um, that innovation-informed um, response to supporting kids and families, and how do we drive some of that big structural systems change that's needed that can really reduce trauma in the long run? I think for me, what I really hope as well, adding to that is that we can build greater understanding of all of the pieces of this conversation. So I feel like the report went up to a higher level to explain more about what is contributing to trauma that children are experiencing and what among those factors can we begin to start to work on and also then how that leads to later outcomes. So I think we really wanted to provide so much content in this report so people could gain a really in-depth understanding of the full picture of what's happening in our communities and with families and be able to use that to continue to ask what's happening, but to really start to ask the question, what can I do to help? And we really wanted those responses and those actions to feel more tangible in a lot of ways we're not prescribing do X, Y, and Z with this information, but we're giving a lot of tangible actions that people can start to actively use in their professional lives, also personally, and to become a part of this movement. Well, we will include a link to the report in our show notes for this episode, but I would love it if you could give a quick shout out for the website where people could find it if they want to look at it. Yep, you'll find it on our website at www.iowaaces360.org. And there's a link right there on our, our um, landing page where you can get to the report, a recording of our launch, um, and some additional information about the great work and the, the great team that pulled this together. Awesome. Well, Lisa and Sarah, you're such good good co-conspirators with us. I know on so much of the work that we all do together. <laughs> um, and it was a pleasure to talk with you this afternoon.